This is the podcast by The Straits Times. This is Asian Insider, and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now, roughly two months since the army seized power in a coup d'état in Myanmar, the situation continues to deteriorate, with evidence of atrocities, civilians killed, numbering in the hundreds, most of them young people, and tragically, including even small children. There are some signs also of the conflict drawing in armed ethnic organizations. Hundreds of young people as well have fled into borderlands and may well take up arms. History is tragically repeating itself. And it is repeating itself for ASEAN as well. The 10-member group which encouraged Myanmar's transition in 2011 to a sort of hybrid democracy is back to square one, with Myanmar again becoming a pariah nation. Many fear the civil wars will erupt again, and with the economy collapsing, the country could devolve into a failed state. Joining me today is Kasit Pirom, who has, among other things, been Thailand's ambassador to the Soviet Union, Indonesia, Germany, Japan, and the United States, and was also Thailand's Minister of Foreign Affairs from 2008 to 2011, which was, in fact, during that transition in neighboring Myanmar. Kun Kasit, thank you very much for joining Asian Insider today. Thank you for the now, invitation. Good morning. Good morning. Now, many eyes are on ASEAN. This crisis is seen as a test of ASEAN's credibility. It was ASEAN that admitted Myanmar as a member in the mid-90s, accommodated the previous regime, and as you have written, was virtually a midwife to the transition. Now, you are among those who have argued that ASEAN not only has the right, but the responsibility to act decisively and take concrete actions to ensure that Myanmar's generals end the violence and respect the will of the people. Although few think they will do that, ASEAN or no ASEAN. But you have written that this requires leadership from some of ASEAN's member states. And you mentioned Thailand, which is very much a key ASEAN state. And you say Thailand has not demonstrated this. Can you elaborate on what Thailand should do as Myanmar's immediate neighbor? The present leadership of Thailand must know the history of Thailand involvement in, in the ASEAN affairs. And especially as you have mentioned uh, 10 years ago that we were like a midwife to the return of democracy to, to Myanmar. And now it's being snatched away. So we all have the obligation, Thailand in particular, to restore democracy to the Myanmar people. Second is that uh, Myanmar and Thailand we are members of the ASEAN community. We are part of the same family. We are also part of the international community where I think freedom, human rights, humanity as a whole are very important. And now the atrocity occurring in Myanmar is an obligation to everyone, especially Thailand and fellow ASEAN member countries to do something about it in a very forthright and I think in the urgent manner. So what can ASEAN do? What, okay, let's, let me rephrase that. What should ASEAN do as opposed to what it can do? I think the first thing is that we know that uh, there is an initiative by the current Indonesian president to have the ASEAN summit. And hopefully from that summit, uh, ASEAN could do a few things. For example, uh, appointing a special envoy or delegation on behalf of all ASEAN to speak to the junta leaders of Myanmar. Second, it could coordinate very closely with the UN Special Envoy for Myanmar and through her to, uh, to, to this ambassador from Switzerland to the UN uh, Security Council and to the UN Secretary General. Third, it could send, I think, strong message to the junta 
for them to stop all forms of violence and suppression and to start the dialogue with the opposition or the I think the former uh, government legitimate government of of Myanmar elected government of Myanmar under the leadership of Do Aung San Suu Kyi. So a couple of things could could be done. Then the other point that why there is still a military government in Myanmar, the other nine ASEAN could come out with an interim measures like suspension of all activities of ASEAN involving Myanmar until the return to democracy. But at the moment, just to deny the presence of any Myanmar delegation uh, forthcoming from the instruction of the Bunta government. It's interesting that you say that because my next question was basically what will be the consequences if ASEAN fails to influence a military regime. Some are saying, for example, that the U.S. will not sit at the same table as Myanmar. Uh, as Myanmar, if this continues, the U.S. is you know will not participate in ASEAN meetings. ASEAN credibility and centrality is at stake. Uh, definitely, because uh, you know in the course of the early two uh, thousand say. Since Myanmar uh, joined ASEAN in 1997, right until the year 2007, the rest of the ASEAN member states, the other nine, uh, had to carry Myanmar around the world on their shoulders. So Myanmar becomes a sort of what you have mentioned, Paria, something of a, I think, a dark spot in the whole of the ASEAN activities. And we could not go on carrying Myanmar around the world and to tell the world that uh, uh, ASEAN community is good, is integrated, is cohesive. It's the you know uh, central power or entity in the affairs in the Indo-Pacific affairs and so on. And at the same time, ASEAN community is uh, what you call people-centered. All of this becomes a farce as long as there is a military government in Myanmar. And I think the uh, the drawback of democratization in the whole of the ASEAN community in contravention to the ASEAN Charter and also in contravention to all the UN treaties and conventions and so on. So there is no more, there cannot be any more credibility for the ASEAN community as long as there is nothing to be done against the military takeover by the armored forces of Myanmar. So it's imperative, it's a must, it's an obligation for the other nine ASEAN to, I think, push back the military intervention, restore the credibility of ASEAN and make it really a viable regional entity. Otherwise, it could be downhill all the way. We will not be able to have any relationship with international organizations like the UN or to have the so-called dialogue partners with all the major players around the world and so on. So there is a possibility that Myanmar, as it descends into a failed state, uh, there's a possibility it becomes, as it was during World War II, actually, as far back as that, that it becomes again an arena for great power competition. It has borders with China and, and, and India, and Russia, as we have seen, is also increasingly friendly with the regime. Do you see that as a risk? And if so, what would be the consequences? Well, it, there's already intervention by big powers in the affairs of Myanmar in particular. I think the Russians have been supplying arms. And I think to a lesser extent from what I know, the Chinese also. At the same time, is uh, Myanmar geographical position is very uh, vital to the energy supplied from the Middle East into southern China. You know, and then at the same time, China needs 
uh, uh, port facilities, both for commercial activities and particularly for military activities uh, around the Bay of Bengal on the eastern side of the Indian Ocean. So in that sense, Myanmar is very vital to the strategic interests of China. And by extension, it will have, I think, negative repercussion on the very security of India as a whole. And India lately has become much closer to the United States under the court arrangements together with Australia and Japan. You know, so in that sense, there is already intervention implicitly, unconsciously or consciously in the affairs of Myanmar. And once there are entries into Myanmar active, uh, affairs by the major powers, by extension, it's also the entry and interference or whatever it is into the affairs of the ASEAN community as a whole. So Myanmar is, I think, leading ASEAN community into this arena of big powers uh, rivalry. And it cannot go on in this sense. Then the other nine ASEAN uh, member states must do something to prevent that. Looking at the future in Myanmar, it is difficult to see any light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, a lot of people could not imagine that the military regime could be so brutal. Ten years ago, we could not imagine it. It is also on the verge of economic collapse, if not already collapsed. Are we looking at a, uh, a failed state in Myanmar? To a certain extent, but before going to that situation of a failed state, I think concurrently now there is a sort of some sort of a shadow parliament and shadow cabinet or government. And in the future, there could also be the possibility of Myanmar government in exile. And if there is no positive responses from the military junta at the moment, then international community, particularly through the leadership of the United States, could do something about some sort of quasi recognition of the opposition forces, you know, the shadow parliament, shadow government, whatever you said, and so on. And then even to have uh, the opposition uh, making voices at the United Nations arena, or even to when there is a, 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 a ASEAN dialogue meeting and so on, then representative of the shadow parliament or government could attend, you know, as observer. So this is, a, it will be a very strong message from the international community together with the ASEAN community to the military junta that they cannot, you know, do whatever they like. There are other options. So they are not the only one that could represent, control, rule and command Myanmar. There are alternatives. And I think there is a possibility that the international community as well as ASEAN community could, I think, uh, do something else, you know, and not to have the, I think, relationship or any sort of recognition with the junta government. Do you think the Tatmato or the Myanmar... And in that sense, it could prevent the... Sorry, in that sense, then yeah. we could, uh, you know, prevent the slide into a failed state. Do you think the Tatmato or the military miscalculated? A lot of people I talk to, I talk to the Burmese diaspora, the activists who have been re-energized in the US and in the West in general. Um, they all say the military miscalculated. It's a 19th century mindset, but it's 2021. And a new generation in Myanmar is not going to take this lying down, as we have seen. And this could sort of grind on in, in, a, in, a, in a very brutal um, 
conflict for a long, long time before it is resolved. I think the present junta led by General Min Ong Lian, I think his takeover of the power and so on, in spite of the fact that they have so much power in the, in, under the Aung San Suu Kyi government, they have 25% of the seats in the parliament, upper, lower, and in the regional. They have, I think, four ministers inside the, the cabinet, the vice president, Minister of Defense, Interior, and Border Affairs. I don't see the logic why you have to take over the country completely when you are so influential. You are the king player already, you know? So I think it's being more or less not driven by logic, but more by the, I think, the, the, the hatred of the other side, maybe the intense dislike of Do Aung San Suu Kyi, uh, just being hateful of the civilian the politicians and so on. And then that sense of false perception that they are the only one that could run uh, Myanmar into the future of the 21st century and so on. I think it comes from hatred and ignorance. And I think they failed to fathom the, I think the usefulness of the social media and the fact that uh, young people in Myanmar have become middle-class, educated, well-exposed, they have traveled into the neighboring countries, especially to Singapore, Malaysia, and Thailand. I think they have learned, uh, let me say, a hell of a lot and so on. And the fact that they, their parents, their grandparents have had, I think, 53 years of military government, no more. I think everyone inside Myanmar would not want to be under the military yoke again. You know, this suppression, oppression, denial, field up. They want to be as free as the other ASEAN youth and other ASEAN, uh, other Asian youth and so on. So the military junta did not fathom that extent of uh, knowledge, awareness, aspiration, and so on, the desire to be free, to be like normal, like everyone else. So I think, I think they have miscalculated out of ignorance, out of hatred, out of, of false sense of uh, perception of their own power and so on. And then they are meeting the match. I don't think the Myanmar people will give up. And the fact that there is now the shadow parliament, the shadow cabinet, and very active activists and so on, talking to us, you know, across the border. I have been attending quite a few uh, Zoom, uh, uh, you know, uh, conferences with the Burmese counterpart and so on. They are determined. And I think we must help them. That is very important. Kasit Pirom, thank you very much. Thank you. You take care out there. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Be in touch. Unfortunately, one has to repeat that Myanmar is on the edge of an abyss. And this crisis represents ASEAN's biggest test in its recent history. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Ghosh. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.